Okay, so the reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. The body is a unit, though it is all uh, that is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is as Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we are treated with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable, unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts than it lacked, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. This is the word of the Lord. But think about St. Stephen's when we are the church of God as he's made us to be. When our love for him, our love for one another is almost tangible. I wonder what comes to mind. Could be, paradoxically, a time when things are hard, when there's disagreement, when we're tempted to fall out, and yet underneath that there's a deep love, a conviction that we're one in Christ and so we keep together. Could be a time of crisis, when in love, people have rallied around, they've helped, they've cared, they've encouraged. It could be a time when people have worked sacrificially together, given their time, of their money, that we might reach the lost for Christ. I wonder what comes to mind. As we look around this morning, there are people from all kinds of different backgrounds, different educational attainment, different nationalities, different politics, different ways of thinking. And yet when we turn and talk to each other, We love one another. It is absolutely glorious. It's so unlike the world that joins as people of the same. My people, my friends. It's glorious. And this picture of the church, of Christ's body, is the picture that Paul's painting in this passage this morning. Just look at verse 25. He says that God has so arranged the church so that there should be no division in the body but its parts should have equal concern for each other. So much so, we should have such a deep bond that if one part suffers, all suffer. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices together. It's a delicious picture of unity, isn't it? And when it happens, it's glorious. I think we tasted that a little bit, didn't we, recently? Think of Jesse and Miriam's wedding. One part of the body rejoicing, but all of us invited to be there and rejoice together. We've tasted that recently the other way with funerals. 
be it Harold's funeral uh, on Friday or Cynthia Rouse's funeral recently, one part of the body grieving, suffering, and all of us together suffering. Think about last week as we announced the birth of Kim's baby. Many of you don't know Kim, her. She's only been with us a few months. But the spontaneous applause, we're all overjoyed as one part of the body rejoices. It's glorious. And friends, don't we long more and more for that? That's our best days. But often it's not our best days, is it? And so we long more and more that the good days, the best days would be here more. Well, that is what Paul is talking about. It's our theme of belonging, that we belong to Christ, that we belong in Christ. And my prayer this year, as we think about this theme, that the good days will be more and more, that that tangible joy of being the body of Christ will know more and more together. The truth of our passage this morning is actually very simple, but it's profound, deeply, deeply profound. It's this. Paul says, if you belong to Christ, you belong in Christ as part of his united body. And if you belong as part of his body, you have a role to play. And if you have a role to play and play it, then you help create this glorious community that is the church. See how Paul begins. It's as if he looks at uh, his body or someone else's body. And he says, it is one unit, verse 12, but it's made up of many parts. It's my hands, my fingers, my eyes, my head... One unit, many parts, and though all its parts are many, together they form one body. And when you think about a body, it's so complex, isn't it? No wonder people make great statues of it. Many different parts, one unit, and it's breathtaking. And Paul says, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And what Paul is saying here is, when we became a Christian, we belonged to Christ and we were made a part of his body. We belong in Christ. In certain modern Christian circles, the idea of a baptism in the Spirit can mean a sort of second blessing, something that happens after we become a Christian. But that's not at all what Paul is talking about here. He is talking about becoming a Christian. And he says when someone does that, they receive the Spirit of Christ. They're welcomed into the body. And if you're a Christian, if you belong to Christ, you belong as part of his body. Now, it's just worth saying, in a congregation of this size, there'll be some who don't belong to Christ. Perhaps you're here checking things out. You you are very, very welcome. Maybe you do belong to Christ. Certainly you'll know people who don't belong to Christ. And at St. Stephen's, we remain absolutely committed to making Jesus known, to helping people find out who Jesus is, that they might come to belong to him. They might come to find out how he died for them how on the cross he took away the sins of those who trust in him, that they might be forgiven, that they might be secure in Christ, that they might belong and have the grace we just sung of. That's why we're running Introducing God beginning this week. That's why we run Christianity Explored, so that people can come to belong in Christ. And I pray that many will this year. But coming to belong in Christ isn't the end of the story. Because if we belong to Christ, we belong in Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. And Paul takes the two greatest divisions in the ancient world, the one that cuts across all society, slavery and freemen, Jews and Gentiles, and he says, whichever side of that division you're on, if you're in Christ, it doesn't matter, you're one. Different parts, one body. And remember the church, Christ's body, isn't just some kind of club. 
not just like the sports club. Remember, last year we looked at the book of Ephesians. And the central message of Ephesians is God is uniting everything under Christ Jesus in the church. We're not just some funny parochial sports club. We are the center of the world. There's one universal church, but expressed in many local churches. The Bible talks of the church in Rome or in Antioch. We are the church in this part of town, in Shirley. But we're part of the one body. And we express to the world around where history is heading. All things will be united under Christ. And when we function well, it's glorious, not just for us, but as a wonderful witness to the world. Many different parts, one body. If you belong to Christ, you belong in Christ, and you have a role to play. So let me ask you, do you know what your role is? Are you a hand or a foot or an eye? And if you know what your role is, are you doing it? It's a really important question, isn't it? We know that if a a small part of our body begins to malfunction, then the whole body stops working. It stops being glorious. It becomes sick. Well, so it is too with Christ. And yet when we do our role, we help make the church glorious. Now, I hope it's very clear. When I say what is your role, it doesn't mean what roster are you on. It doesn't mean do you have a badge. No, rosters are good things. Badges are good things. Without a roster, how would we know who would do morning tea? This week there might be 50 people, the next week there'd be none. It'd be chaos. But the danger with rosters is we think, I'm not on the roster, so it's not my job. I don't have a badge, so it's not my responsibility. You may not have a roster or a badge, but you're part of Christ's body, and so you have a role. And there's so much that can't be rostered. We can't roster praying for someone in need. We can't roster giving a word of encouragement. Somebody grabbed me after the service a couple of weeks ago and said, James, you look quite tired. Are you all right? You can't roster that, can you? We can't have a roster for who's going to go around and ask, is the assistant minister tired? It'd be ridiculous. We can't roster sending someone a comforting letter. We can't roster modelling a godly marriage, modelling contented singleness. All of these are crucial roles, but you'll never see them with a job description or on a roster. And many people just do those things without sometimes even thinking about it because that's who we are. Well, if you're in Christ, you have a role to play and that role helps make this body glorious. So I wonder, are you playing it? Well, Paul says, though there are two attitudes that stop this happening, two attitudes that tear apart the body. If you know anything about the church in Corinth, you'll know that it was a, a hugely gifted church full of spiritual superstars but very, very proud. And Paul says there are two attitudes in this church that are driving them apart, preventing the body being glorious. And he picks up these two attitudes. The first is this, I don't belong. It's the attitude that says, I don't belong, verses 14 to 20. It's a kind of inferiority complex. I'm not needed. I'm not part of things. And see how Paul answers that. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. Similarly, if the ear had an inferiority complex and said, I I don't belong to the body because I'm not an eye, it doesn't not belong to the body. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, when we put it like that? But it's so easy to do. And when we do it, it doesn't feel ridiculous. In fact, it feels very real, very painful. I'm not a musician, so I don't belong. I'm not an outgoing person, so I don't belong. I'm too old, I'm too young, I don't belong. And this says, no, if you're in Christ, you do belong. And friend, if somebody has made you feel that you don't belong here, 
Let me show you what this passage says. If, you're in Christ, if you belong to Christ, you're in Christ and you belong, whatever you feel. And I'm so sorry if someone's made you feel otherwise. But it's not just that you belong. You have a role to play. You are essential to the health of this place. You can't say, I don't belong. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? There are many different parts and all of them are needed at the risk of offending everyone. If all were old, where would the energy be? But if everyone were young, where would the wisdom be? We'd have lots of energy, but running in a hundred directions. You see, you could go through many different things in this body. We need us together. And see how God puts this across in verse 18. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Aren't they amazing words? God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them. Who did he miss? No one. Just as he wanted them to be. I'll take it that means if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, then you, with the gifts that you have, the person you are, that's how God made you. And that's true of every other person in the room. And he's knitted us together just as he would want us to be. And when we play our part, it is glorious. Now, one reason I think we sometimes say, I don't belong, is, um, I think Jay alluded to this in the confession, sometimes we, we look at others and we think they're more important. Or we look at certain roles and we think, well, those roles, they're for the people who really belong. I'm asked to read the Bible. But if I was really part of things, they'd ask me to pray. I'm asked to play in the band. But if I was really good, if I was really part of things, they'd, they'd let me sing an item. On Monday, I asked some of the staff, wh- where might this work in St. Stephen's? Where do you think people might think there's a hierarchy? And somebody said, well, when we do communion Sundays and we get the guys up the front, the servers up the front, some people might think that they're more important. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But I can see how that happens. When I go to a restaurant... I generally don't sit down and think, I wish I could be a waiter. I'd love to be a waiter in this restaurant. No, if I'm sitting down, my job there is to enjoy the food. Nothing against waiters. Thank God for waiters. They look after me. But my role and their role is different. And the people serving communion, people singing in the band, people standing up here preaching, we're just waiters. And yet somehow we look at them and think, I wish I could be a waiter. And how silly it is. No, I don't say that to mock, but see how freeing this is. This truth says, whatever your role is, you belong. You don't need to be a particular kind of waiter, you belong. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that anyone could do any kind of role. If they asked me to play the drums, it would be absolutely awful. And it would be a disaster. Unless, of course, you hate the drums, in which case it would be great, because within a week or two, we'd not have any drums anymore. (laughs) Certain jobs require certain gifts. We have different gifts, but there's not a hierarchy of which is more important. And of course, certain gifts require a provenness in Christian character. People struggling with certain sins or or, or new to the faith, there's certain roles it's wise not to give them. But it doesn't make you any less important. Do you see, God has arranged this body just as he wants it so that we all have different roles to play. No one can say, I don't belong, because you do. Now, before I move on, I just want to say one more thing. And that, mean, that, and that is this. This passage means we don't need to be defined by one gift. Sometimes we think, well, my gift is as a musician. 
My gift is as a Bible teacher or as an organiser or or as a, a kids worker or something like that. And we can begin to think, unless I do that, I don't belong. Well, this says God hasn't just made you with all your gifts. He's made everyone else with all their gifts. And maybe you're in a different church and every week you played in the band or you taught the kids or you organized something, but here you don't get to do that. It doesn't mean you don't belong. It means that God has arranged all of us differently. And the question is, will you play a different role if that's the role God wants you to play? Maybe you love music, but will you help in the creche? Maybe you're a great Bible teacher, but will you help put out the chairs? Serving in the way God has combined us. Christ has one body. And if you belong to Christ, you belong to his body. If you belong to his body, you have a role to play. If you have a role to play and you play it, you help make this body glorious. So don't say, I don't belong. But the second attitude is this. I don't need you. And that's verses 21 to 27. I don't need you. I once heard Philip Jensen speak of uh, the time after he'd just become uh, the dean of Sydney Cathedral. And uh, he, he was talking about when he became the dean of this cathedral, there were a number of problems in the cathedral. And one of them was with the welcomers. They were really, really friendly until an Asian person started heading towards the door. And then they'd say, a very good morning to you. Do you know that there's a Chinese church down there? I think you might be more welcome there. Isn't that outrageous? Isn't that outrageous? Now, we'd never say that. I hope we'd never even think that. But don't we look around sometimes at certain people, certain groups, and think, I don't need them. We don't need them. But Paul says, no, verse 20, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. An eye without a body wouldn't be a body, it'd be a monster. And yet sometimes we think, oh, if only we could have more eyes. Sometimes we think, oh, that person, they're too goofy. They're not spiritual enough. They're too spiritual. We don't need them. Or maybe it's not that we look down on individuals. Maybe actually we're inclined to look down on the whole church. And we begin to say, I don't need them. I'll just do it on my own. I was reading this week of a phenomenon called drive-through churches. It sounds so crazy that I thought it must be a hoax, a kind of Babylon Bee thing. So I looked it up, and sure enough, there are drive-through churches And you can drive your car to the church and you can tune in your radio and you can listen to the songs and listen to the radio all from the comfort of your car. How extraordinary that is. And yet Vaughan Roberts, a pastor in England, comments on that phenomena. We may be shocked at that and yet the reality is that many Christians who do physically attend church have little more interaction with other people there or through the week than if they'd stayed outside in their cars. Isn't that damning? I got my support base, so I don't really need to be part of things. I don't need you. I listen to the podcast. I read some good books, so I don't really need you. And Paul says, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because if you belong to Christ, you belong in Christ, you're designed to be part of his body, and you have a role to play. There's a place that if you are going to serve Christ faithfully, you need to be doing it in a church. Some here who are not part of St. Stephen's, you're really, really welcome. Maybe you're looking for a church. It's kind of time of year, isn't it, where people move around. And we'd love you to join with us here if that's where the Lord is leading you. But if not here, then please find a church somewhere else and get stuck in because there is a church for you and there is a role that's essential for you to do. You need it. You can't look at the church and say, I don't need you. You do. 
We might say, okay, yep, I know I need to be in a church. But there are some people who frankly are a pain. Their sins are so obvious and their gifts are so hidden, surely we don't need them. No, we wouldn't say that, would we? But we might just shun those people. We might just uh, look around before we go near them in case that we get stuck with them. We might be a little bit nervous about getting stuck with them at the picnic. And Paul says, look, look at verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. I wonder if you've heard the phrase EGR, an EGR person, an extra grace required person. Now, when I first heard that, I thought it was quite rude. I thought it was a bit like calling somebody special. They're special, by which mean we, we mean they're a bit odd. But actually, the more I thought about it, I don't think it is rude. I think it's actually very biblical, because that's what God does. God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to some the parts that lacked it. He gives extra honour. He makes a fuss of them. He gives them extra grace, if you like. And remember who Christ does this to. In one sense, he does it to all who belong to him, slave or free, very sophisticated or very, what's the opposite of sophisticated? Very, I don't know, very sorted or very messy life, very socially confident or very socially awkward. He gives the grace to all. And at different times in our lives, to different extents, all of us will be EGRs, won't we? Life will be messy and we need extra grace. And God gives it and so can we too. And we can't look at those people and say we don't need them because verse 22 says they are indispensable. They are needed and their service is needed. I realise I need to repent of an attitude this week. I think I had a very utilitarian view of this word indispensable. Utilitarianism is the idea that the value of something is based on its usefulness. And a number of times I've said, and in a sense this is true, but a number of times I've said to some senior folk, look, you think there's nothing you can do, and you can, you can pray. And uh, the more you, the role maybe God has given you is to pray. And that's absolutely true. I take it on Judgment Day, we'll marvel at the way some of the people who can't get to this place can't get to the Wednesday service, have sat in their armchairs and moved the kingdom forward by God's grace through their prayers. But that isn't why they're indispensable. Because otherwise, what happens when that person loses their mind and they can't even sit in a chair and pray? Does that mean that they're dispensable? The world would say it does, doesn't it? Just shuffle them off to a euthanasia clinic. But no, this says they're indispensable. And the reason I need to repent is as I read something from the early church. And the early church would say those people are the most glorious people in the church. The poor, the sick, the EGRs, they're most indispensable because they're most like Christ. What did Jesus say? Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so the early church would say to the rich, you cannot say you don't need poor people because the way you love Christ is by loving the poor. And unless there are poor people there, you can't love Christ properly. Unless there are sick, we can't love Christ properly. Unless there are people in prison, we can't love Christ properly. Unless there are EGRs, we can't fully love Christ. They're indispensable. And how profound that is. No one can say, I don't belong. And no one can look at somebody else and say, you don't belong, we don't need you. How profound And yet how very, very attractive, how very, very different to the world. Every week, one of the privilege 
is of being a pastor is that I see examples of this every week, things that most of you never know, but of people loving in this sacrificial way, and it's glorious. But Paul is absolutely realistic. This attitude, I don't belong, I don't need you, will destroy it. And friends, if that has crept into our thinking, then Paul would urge us to think of the gospel. And the gospel is that Christ died, that all might belong to him, that they might be grafted into his body, that equally we might be one part of his body that is one, many parts one body, that Christ laid down his life for every single one of us, that we might be united, that we might have a a church, verse 25, without division, without clique or superstars, but where all are equal. And as each part does its role, then God's glory is shown to the world. Friend, if you belong to Christ, you belong in Christ. If you belong to Christ's body, you have a role to play. As you play that role, you show his glory to the world. Isn't that glorious? May God, by his grace, help us more and more to do that. Let's just take a moment in silence to think on this. Maybe there's something we've been convicted of we need to repent. Maybe there's somebody we've begun to look down on we need to repent. Maybe we've begun to look down on ourselves and we need to thank God that we belong. Whatever it is, whatever God has said to you, just in the quiet of your heart, let's have a moment to respond and then I'll lead us in a prayer.